We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome to a week 17 edition of the quote unquote expert quote unquote roundtable. My name is Adam Levitan. I am the father of a very special lady, the most beautiful beast in the world, Jerry. And it is uh, a sad day. This is uh, the last show, the last quote unquote expert quote unquote roundtable of the season that we will do. Uh, JM is crying tears of hemp. Uh, he will now spend his Friday nights freeing Tibet. Instead of doing this show, uh, JM, uh, he's in Oklahoma where uh, they, they, all of this is better the first time. They, all of this. The people listening on the podcast don't know that we had audio difficulties. So uh, he has internet. He's in Oklahoma. JM, what's going on? Uh, the, the original joke was saving Tibet, which something about those words is just funnier. <laughs> yeah. I, I, we got a really good laugh out of it. Uh, so I'll say it again. I said it the first time. Uh, it's always fun doing this show. I've been watching this show since it was uh, Adam and Pete and Al back before I even wrote for Rotor Grinders. So uh, it's an honor to work with Adam. I always think of Adam like a big brother. So it's cool to, uh, to be able to do the show together every Friday night. Definitely one of my highlights. So till next year, uh, we'll close out on a high note this time around. Yeah. And, and I'll say this, like um, you can tell, I listen to some shows sometimes you can tell when people don't uh, like put in the work and they're just out there just kind of talking uh you know, Jam is like, like you can tell when he's playing guys that are zero point eight percent. Like you can tell that he's doing his own work and and is so on top of of every player. So I also uh, really like doing the show. Glad we do it. Uh, it is a highlight for me as well. And it's also like the last show that I do. So it's like the last. Uh, I actually don't even do that many shows anymore. I only do like two or three, but this is uh, the last one. So uh, it always sticks in my mind when I'm making lineups and. Maybe that's why uh, it hasn't been that great of a year, but we're going to we're going to change all that in uh, in week seventeen. It's because you haven't been playing Duke Johnson. That's the problem. How many weeks out of seventeen have you played Duke? Johnson? I think I've on my main team probably six. Oh, that's it. I would have guessed higher. Yeah, maybe seven. I don't know, but more than anyone else, I'd say. Oh, way more. Yeah, uh, right. I'd say I probably had four weekends that were winning weekends specifically because he got me close to twenty points at under 5k and about two weekends that were specifically losing weekends because of duke i'll t- i'll take that i'll right. take those percentages no for <laughs> sure um okay this slate we have a lot to get to because it's so uh information heavy we do have most of the information like there's not a lot still out there i'm pretty confident that i know exactly uh, how it's going to go in terms of playing time and guys resting for most teams but it is a 16 game slate so people will be overwhelmed um 
I think that if you're following closely, you shouldn't feel overwhelmed because your player pool should be naturally uh, narrowed by what these teams are doing with their players. So uh, I am certainly expanding uh, what I would normally play, play a little bit bigger this week because A, it's the last slate of the, of the calendar year, uh, tax purposes, obviously, and B, because I think I have a bigger edge just not being overwhelmed on this slate. Uh, JM, how do you feel? Yeah, I agree. I think that week 17 is a good week for going tournament heavy, cutting out cash games a little bit is how I like to approach it, just because I do think that we have a bigger edge. I think that people tend to swing too far toward crazy plays. Um, You know, we have guys starting like Michael Clark and Geronimo Allison. And I think you got to be pay attention to what types of tournaments you're playing and where you're playing certain players. I mean, we also have guys starting like Jamal Williams and Julio Jones. uh, And I think that sometimes these guys can draw lower ownership than they should on these weeks because people get a little bit too crazy playing guys that they wouldn't normally play. I mean, you, you wouldn't be playing Alex Smith against the Denver defense, but we'll see some Patrick Mahomes ownership. Against the Denver defense, uh, we can get into guys like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that like any week, uh, I said this in the NFL Edge this, this week, like any week you're trying to play who you feel are the best plays. And, um, you know, that's the same week in, week out. And I think that the best plays are not necessarily some of these crappy guys that people might look toward. So it's always an interesting week to, to dig in. I think if you're actually watching the show in week 17, you're putting in that, that level of work, then you probably have an edge on the field. It's a good week to take in some money. Uh, be careful what you say about Patrick Mahomes. Uh, do not refer to Patrick Mahomes as a scrub. Uh, let's start there at the quarterback position and at the bottom tier. I think there's uh, a few options below 6K that caught my eye. I think Jacoby Brissett is in play against this atrocious uh, Texans pass defense, which has allowed the most uh, big plays, the most 40-plus yard passing plays in the entire league. Uh, we also have Tyrod Taylor, who I know we've talked plenty in here about his low volume, but in a must-win spot against the Miami team that I think will be in full evaluation mode. I think Tyra is least interesting. And then Mahomes, uh, I probably don't think is as bad of a play as you do, just from a raw talent perspective and from a fantasy perspective. I think he provides a better ceiling than Alex Smith would on a normal week, and he's 4,700. Of course, uh, going to Denver, I would almost never play a quarterback. So uh, let's start there at below 6K. What do you think about those three guys and anybody else below 6K? Yeah, I think Mahomes, what I said about Mahomes was if he's under 1% owned in large field tourneys, I think it's a great play. I just, if if a guy at Denver, a rookie quarterback, and I know his talent is through the roof, but talking about a rookie quarterback at Denver without weapons in his first career game, that's not a guy I, I want to roster. It's, it's a roster spot's too valuable to me in cash games and small field tournaments. Um, and I think that, Obviously, uh, saying in cash games sounds absurd, but I think that when we get certain guys that are getting hyped up, people start thinking about them in those contexts. And uh, I think that Mahomes has huge upside, but you got to still give him like a five, six, seven point floor. You're talking about a guy playing his first career game. Tyreek Hill is out. Kareem Hunt will probably be out. Travis Kelsey will probably be out if these guys play. They won't play many snaps. So it's just a really tough spot for a guy to come in his first game. Uh, I can get more on board with Brissett and Tyrod uh, there are a couple of guys just barely above six. There's a lot of value this week. And a couple of guys just barely above 6K that I like more. But, um, you know, Brissett has 12 touchdown passes on the year. I know that he played well against the Texans last time. My concern with Brissett, um, all right, T.Y. Hilton has 103 targets. Jack Doyle has 103 targets. Like, this guy is not throwing people open. He's not throwing into tight windows. So, He's going to need players to be open to have some upside. Obviously, with T.Y. Hilton, what he did last time in this matchup, uh, last time was on the road. There is upside here, but um, I don't think it's a lock like probably a lot of people do. I think that we'll see over 20% ownership on Brissett, and I'd be fine fading that just because I think there's more upside with a higher floor in other spots. I do think that he's a good play. Uh, Same thing with Tyrod. I don't think they're the best plays for uh, point per dollar. Yeah, I actually don't think Brissett's ownership will get that high because we don't have so many high-priced players available on this slate. No Antonio Brown, no Le'Veon Bell, no DeAndre Hopkins, no Kareem Hunt. Like, there's not a lot of high-priced guys that people want to play, I would think, outside of, you know, Julio, Gronk, um, and guys like that. So I don't think people are going to necessarily feel a need to go cheap at quarterback. I do not think Brissett's ownership will get over 10 or 12%, um, I think, in this specific matchup. He's had really tough matchups lately. I think I always look for guys who have played uh, really tough schedules and then all of a sudden uh, get a really good matchup like Brissett has here. So I do like him. Uh, I think Tyrod will step up and play 
pretty well here too. If we go up into the 6K range, we have Kirk Cousins against this dumpster fire of a Giants team. Uh, obviously, Landon Collins is hurt. Eli Apple, which I don't know if it matters or not, he's suspended. Janoris Jenkins has been gone. Dominique Rogers-Cromartie has been playing so bad that he's been benched uh, or at least lost snaps. Like, uh, you couldn't find a much better spot for a Redskins team, which is still trying. And Kirk Cousins needs games, needs positive games for his contract situation, even though he's already hashtag how rich. Um, I think him and Stafford are both really interesting. I would prefer Stafford if I knew that the Lions were completely all out to win this game. And I think that they are. I'm pretty sure that they are. But they were just eliminated from the playoffs this past week. So I, I assume you like Stafford. I assume you like Cousins or maybe not. But either way, are you concerned at all about uh, how straight the Lions will play this game? I'm not. Uh, I think if we made a list of the like the five player-friendliest coaches in the NFL, Jim Caldwell would be on that list. I mean, he, and honestly, Caldwell, man, like he's not a great uh, in-game adjuster. Um, you know, he's not the best Sunday coach, but he's a very good throughout-the-week coach. I mean, he really genuinely is, and he's a guy that players just love playing for. I think after they laid that egg last week, uh, and, and we're getting a little narrative-y here, but um, you know, they're eliminated from the playoffs. They kind of laid down last week in a must-win game. And I think that you'll see Max effort here in a tremendous spot. What are we laughing about over here? You, you have this, like, smirky smile, like. Well, I was just thinking about how good my Tibet joke was, and I was kind of going over it in my head, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's all about wording. In comedy, man, it's all about the right – got to use the right words. And you had it nailed the first time. Uh we won't be doing the show anymore. Jam will be saving Tibet on Friday nights. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. And it just kind of like take two, you kind of went through the motions. You were like the week 16 Detroit Lions. So uh, yeah, I think that we see max effort here. I think that this team is playing for Caldwell, whose job is on the line. I mean, perpetually on the line. Um, and then Kirk Cousins. Yeah, Kirk Cousins top eight in, in passer rating, top eight in passing touchdowns, top eight in yards. Like he's had a great season considering Pierre Garçon's gone. Deshaun Jackson's gone. Um, you know, T Terrell Pryor was a complete dud. Chris Thompson's gone, like been hurt the last several weeks. Man, Cousins has played really well given what he's had to work with. Uh, I believe it's 22 touchdowns and 10 picks, something like that. Uh, Giants have given up the most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. So these guys, these two are my two favorites. Uh, as far as just, I mean, honestly, like you said, there's a lot of value, not a lot of guys to pay up for. So we can get up to Russ, we can get up to Cam pretty easily as well. But I, I really like uh, these two quite a bit. I don't think I'll go down to Brissett and Tyrod. And I, honestly, you know, I, I won't at all be surprised if they have a good game. Just they're not good quarterbacks. And I'll take the good quarterback in a good matchup for just a little bit more. Uh, they could all score the same and it wouldn't surprise me. But uh, I think if we played this slate out a thousand times, we get a better score from Cousins and Stafford more often. So that's kind of where I'm focused on this slate. Uh, let's keep going up to in the 6K range. You mentioned uh, Cam and Russ. I noticed that you left out Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady. Uh, both need the game for playoff positioning. We've seen Tom Brady really struggle lately in terms of fantasy uh, production. Gets a really good matchup here uh, against his Jets team, which has been so bad in the secondary. Um, I think that Tom Brady might end up being the most owned quarterback on this slate, actually, just because people want to play Patriots because they know the playoff positioning. Um, it seems to me you might think Tom Brady and Rivers would be interesting fades despite their situations. Yeah, I mean, I like them both. Um, Oakland has really tightened up against wide receivers since Ken Norton got fired. Uh, they're, I think it's like bottom seven in receptions allowed to wide receivers on the year. They're, you know, Sean Smith is actually playing pretty well. TJ Carey is healthy again, playing well. Um, so I like Rivers. I think he's a top eight quarterback this week, uh, but he's not a guy I'm locking onto. My concern with Tommy is the Achilles injury. I think it's actually affecting him, and not a lot's been talked about it because we're seeing, you know, we've, we've seen it for decades with Bill Belichick just listing guys on the injury report constantly with, with minor injuries. But uh, Patriots aren't a team that just – constantly hold, holds players out of practice that is not their mo brady's missed a lot of practice time it was since he popped up with this achilles injury that he went on this run of of you know one interception per game um they have had a lot of run favorable matchups lately so that factors in too to why he has not performed as well and this this matchup slants a little bit more toward the past so i like brady this week 
Um, I do like Stafford and Cousins a little bit more uh, for a little bit less in price. So I have no qualms with Brady, but just personally, I'm a little concerned about the Achilles injury. I think that it it has been an issue more than more than maybe uh, the Patriots are letting on. Yeah, and I would also say that it's kind of Brady's cold streak, if you want to call it that, has coincided with Chris Hogan being out. I mean, when you have Philip Dorsett out there, it's just like a nothing, and Brandon Cooks is kind of turned into a one-dimensional option for them. It's like, well, they don't have that great options. James White isn't out there, you know. Uh, Rex Burkhead's so good in the past game, he's not out there. So certainly some dings on Brady. I do think that just from a matchup perspective, this is a chance for a big game for Tom Brady. Uh, also in that range is Russ Wilson, who – um man I mean I thought last week was like the perfect spot uh for Russ I had two teams in the main event uh on DraftKings used Russ on both of them um man I mean god it looks like such I just thought that Seattle was going to play really well which they ended up playing really well but they just didn't score enough uh didn't move the ball offensively we know on this show if you watch regularly that Daryl Bevel uh is the arch enemy so uh in a home game against Arizona that Seattle needs, can we go back to Russ for a third straight week when he's disappointed in the last two? I mean, they needed him last – they needed last week's game too, right? Like, is Daryl Bevel the worst offensive coordinator in football? It's just absolutely pathetic, the amount that they try to – they've rushed for under 1,000 yards if you take away uh, Russell Wilson's rushing yards. They are the worst run offense in the NFL, and he's just set on running the ball. Um, it's like he has PTSD from that – Super Bowl where they tried to pass and it's like it, it's absurd man um yeah I like Russ a lot I don't think I could go there in cash games again I'm going lighter in cash games this week to take advantage of tournaments but same thing here I mean I had three teams in the main event last week all three had Russ on them um it was a great pivot off of Cam Cam had a disappointing game early and then uh you know I thought I thought we were looking pretty with Russ but uh, yeah, I mean, I like Russ. The concerns are obviously the coaching and their the fact that they never let him throw more than 30 times. Um, he did have a 45-attempt game in Week 16 last year against Arizona, but obviously Arizona scored 34 points. That's what it takes. It takes a team putting up points for Daryl Bevel to realize that he needs to let Russ take over the game. So I don't think he's a lock. I think he's a good play. Um, the matchup is, is perfectly fine for Russ. Matchup, as we saw against the Jags, is not really the issue um do you have any thoughts on cam newton i know he's been kind of up and down against this atlanta team um but you know 14 carries a game they're kind of letting him take over here down the stretch yeah and i and i like uh the panthers in this spot i mean i've been trying to be low on the falcons all year um from a lot of perspectives and i think that uh cam will come in here and play well i think the panthers are very motivated they can finish anywhere from the nfc second seed all the way down to the fifth seed. So yeah, I mean, anytime your quarterback has the running ability of cam and you can project him for anywhere from eight to 14 carries, like he's going to have a really high floor uh, and a really high ceiling. Um, I think the matchup sets really, the matchup sets up really well for two of his best weapons, Christian McCaffrey and Greg Olson. So I think that's another uh, kind of feather in the cap for cam. So yeah, uh, I, I like him too. Uh, there's certainly a lot of quarterbacks to like. Uh, I always kind of prefer Russ um because it's just like he was the entire offense so if you think that Seattle is going to score 28 points like Russ is going to have a good game um you could see other things happening with the Panthers such as Jonathan Stewart scoring a rushing touchdown such as defensive touchdowns such as uh, Christian McCaffrey rushing for a touchdown etc so yeah I would prefer Russ but I like Cam too um any other quarterbacks that we did not talk about no I mean I think that the the big thing here is just don't get too crazy uh at the quarterback position take the floor where you can get it there's plenty of ceiling to go at the floor uh i mean I'll, i'm comfortable throwing tyrod and Brissett in that floor and ceiling bucket um you know i know a lot of people are drawn toward those guys this week but uh you know they're they're really good quarterbacks and good matchups and that's kind of where i'm i'm looking this week is good quarterbacks and good matchups at the running back position, before we go down to the bottom, I want to start with what I expect to be the uber chalk. Um, in the Patriots' backfield, they have five running backs on the active roster. They have none on the practice squad. Three of their running backs on that active roster are hurt. We have Mike Gillisley out. We have Rex Burkhead out. We have James White uh, questionable. And then they have Brandon Bolden, the strict special teamer. Once again, it leaves Deion Lewis in a complete uh, three-down plus goal line role. We saw what he can do with that last week. Uh, DraftKings has been very aggressive to move salaries this season. They did not do it on Deion Lewis, left him down at 6,800. 
I think we'll see him in the 30 to 40% range uh, in a lot of spots uh, on DK. Uh, is that good chalk or bad chalk on Deion Lewis? So you think Lewis is going to be higher owned than Derrick Henry? Um, yes. Wow. Um, I would prefer Kenyon Drake over Deion Lewis wow. in that same price range. And I don't think that's that crazy. Um, the Patriots are a matchup specific offense. James White appears to be on track to play, which leaves Deion Lewis in this, you know, kind of two down role. The Patriots love James White on third down. He's a great pass blocker, a great route runner. Um, I hadn't given much thought to Deion Lewis as like a staple piece this week. I think he's a fine play. Um, I don't, it, it, it kind of comes down to James White. Like if James White plays, then yeah, we have this 30 touch thing going on again. If James White is out there, you know, we're looking at Deion Lewis in a, a typical 20 to 22, 23 carry range, which is fine. Um, but that's not like, I mean, Ken, Damian Williams isn't playing. Kenyon Drake has the best running back matchup in the NFL. Kenyon Drake is as talented as Deion Lewis. Uh, I mean, if he's not, it's close. Uh, I, I would take Kenyon Drake over Deion Lewis in that price range this week. So I, I, I actually uh, played Kenyon Drake last week somewhat begrudgingly. Probably we talked about on here how going to Arrowhead is so tough. And uh, maybe I shouldn't have pulled the trigger there. I like Kenyon Drake a lot. My concern this week is that the Dolphins are just like, we're going to be in evaluation mode. Uh, they already said that they might give David Fales uh, some snaps in this game. Um, I think the All-Stars are going to play. I think they're going to play to win the game. I think Drake's going to be out there a ton. Um, it just concerns me that with Buffalo so motivated and like Jay Cutler, you know, total DGAF mode uh, in week 17, like, I don't know. I don't know what kind of performance they put in. I don't know if David Fales gets out there, et cetera. Does that concern you at all? Yeah, that's a good point. And, and uh, you know, to be completely honest, I haven't looked at the high end of the price range that much at running back because there's so much phenomenal value this week. I mean, so many guys, including a lot of guys who are going to go low owned that are 20 touch players that I don't see the need on my own rosters to pay up. If I'm paying up, it'll probably be for just – a, an ultra talent like Alvin Kamara, just somebody who can break the slate wide open. Uh, I was 100% on Deion Lewis last week, so it's not like I dislike the play. Um, he was the very first – as soon as, you know, James White was announced as out, he was the first person locked onto my roster. So I'm not down on Deion Lewis as a player. Obviously, uh, I'm a lifelong Patriots fan. I'm not down on the Patriots offense. I just – I just um, you know, if I'm going up there, I don't see – as clear of a path to 30 plus points for Deion Lewis this week, as I see for, um, for Kenyon Drake or for Alvin Kamara, LaShawn McCoy, some of these guys who could just get fed monster workloads and, um, and really take over a game. So, uh, uh, but again, uh, take that with a grain of salt because I'm looking cheap primarily and really have not spent a ton of time looking at these high price guys. I think we can get 20 plus points cheap rather than searching for 20 plus on the high end. Yeah, and we'll see on James White. I mean, he was limited all last week and ended up not playing, limited all week this week and listed questionable. So we will see on James White. Let's go down to the bottom here of the running back range. We have uh, Malcolm Brown. I think people are going to play. Uh, obviously, Todd Gurley is going to be out. Malcolm Brown uh, is so tough for me to say how many carries he's going to get. I do think that Lance Dunbar and Justin Davis are going to mix in. San Francisco has played lights out run defense since like week 11. Ruben Foster, uh, the star run stopping middle linebacker for the 49ers is going to play. I certainly have concerns about Malcolm Brown. I think in that same range, you have Wayne Gallman um, in that same range for a little bit more. You can play Carlos Hyde and Jamal Williams in these guys. Um, is there anybody else below 5k that you like? I'm running back, and what do you think about uh, Malcolm Brown and Wayne Gallman? Yeah, you touched on the guys that I like down there. I'm not particularly interested in Malcolm Brown just because it's a really tough matchup. Like you said, I laid out in the NFL edge what the 49ers have done the last four weeks against some really good run teams. Uh, Leonard Fournette, I think it was 78 yards. Um, the Titans running backs under 80 yards. Uh, you know, it's been week in and week out that this run defense has held teams way below expectations on the other side, you have Wayne Gallman uh, against a a Washington team that's just bad against the run. Gave up seven receptions to C.J. Anderson last week, and this isn't fluky Gallman's recent workload. Um, you know, it's since 
Ben McAdoo got fired. Gallman has averaged 6.3 catches per game. Uh, a player doesn't just trip into 6.3 catches per game. This is designed. This is, uh, you know, a guy who played 72% of the snaps last week. So I think there's a lot to like with Gallman at 4,200. Um, there's a lot to like with Jamal Williams. I think he's just right above that uh, 5K mark. But uh, And then Carlos Hyde. Um, you know, Carlos Hyde, this team has been getting Matt Breida more involved. He's actually probably a better player, a better fit for their offense. But I do think that we'll still see 16 to 18 carries for Carlos Hyde. Uh, I would be fine missing out on Hyde probably before a couple of these other guys just because there are more paths to him having a bad game. But um, And then we got, you know, I, I've heard so much talk about Derrick Henry and I'm like I would love for somebody to tell me why Derrick Henry is three times as good of a play as Jamal Williams or you know 10 times as good of a play as Wayne Gallman I I, I mean look Derrick Henry's a great player it's a good running offense it's a good matchup but dude Jamal Williams look what he was doing he was 7k just a couple weeks ago based off of his production uh, no Aaron Jones we're going to see 20 carries four or five catches uh, in a phenomenal matchup. So you have any, any takes on kind of these? And then Alex Collins, too, is, is right in there. 100, 105 yards shy of 1,000. Obviously, the Ravens need the win. That's their first priority. But I think their second priority will be getting him to 1,000 yards. Do you have any takes on all these cheaper guys? Um, yeah, I'm also not too interested in Malcolm Brown. I am warming to Wayne Gallman. I think a big reason he played so many snaps last week is because they were getting absolutely trucked. But uh, there's no reason to think they won't get absolutely trucked uh, again. They're still using... Uh, Paul Perkins, they're still using Orleans Darkwa. I think that's why you see the ownership percentage on Gallman going to be way lower. People are like, uh, it's tough for me. I think Darkwa's going to play, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, agree with you that Gallman does have a very high catch projection. If we can get clarity in, in this, and maybe we can, um, that Gallman's going to start and be featured in this Week 17 game, um, that would certainly intrigue me. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's interesting. I would rather get up to the Jamal Williams, uh, Derrick Henry, Deion Lewis range. And let me talk about Derrick Henry for a second. I actually wrote him up as a, a fade in, um, you know, I don't know if I'm going to fade him in cash, but I think Derrick Henry will end up being a really good fade in tournaments. Derrick Henry has played like 617 snaps in his NFL career and only caught 23 passes. Um, David Fluellen is going to be active and might be the third down back. They also called up uh, Khalif Muhammad from the uh, practice squad. Um, I think Derrick Henry is going to play a ton, but he could play well and not pay it off. Like he could go, you know, 1990-0 with one catch and you're in big trouble. Um, and we've talked about that so many times on here on DK, how important it is to have pass catchers. So Jamal Williams to me is, is an awesome play. Um, no Devontae Adams, no Jordy Nelson. Um, you would think that this would be a complete Jamal Williams show, 17 carries. 4.4 catches per game when Aaron Jones has been out or extremely limited. So I think both those plays uh, are really awesome in that range. Um, if I'm, we... I'm really glad to hear you say that about Henry. Cause I mean, I don't read a lot of other people's stuff throughout the week, but I've just seen a lot of hype on Henry and I'm like, I don't know what I'm missing again. Good player. But like you said, he's not really involved in the past game, 10 catches this year in, in 15 games and just, uh, you know, we have some guys here who catch a ton of passes and are in just as good of matchups. Um, so I'm glad we're on the same page there. Uh, if Joe Mixon ends up ruled out, do you have any interest in Gio Bernard? I mean, going to Baltimore is so brutal, but we've seen Gio Bernard get literally 30 touches in games when Joe Mixon is out. Yeah, I would definitely have interest. Um, you know, it was like middle of the season, this run defense really tightened up quite a bit. Uh, they've been a matchup to avoid for several weeks now. Uh, I would prefer Alex Collins on the other side of that game. But like you said, the touches are just out of control. And obviously, he's a pass catching back. So he's involved in the pass game. And then it just kind of trickles out down from there. Uh, so I have no qualms with Gio. He wouldn't be the first place I would be looking. I would prefer Alex Collins, who's averaging 4.7 yards to carry the same as Derrick Henry uh, in a great matchup and a team against a team without Vontez Perfect. We've talked before in the show about what a difference maker he is on the defense. Uh, I mean, that was really the the biggest difference between their ugly blowout losses in weeks fourteen and fifteen, and then their blowout or their um, their great win in week sixteen against a team that was trying to get to the playoffs. Uh, so yeah, I, I would prefer Alex Collins, but I'd be fine with Gio in there. Uh, I think Christian McCaffrey is set up so well. I mean, Atlanta gave up the most running back receptions last season. They are allowing the most running back receptions 
this season, I don't think Cam trusts Devin Funches as a load-bearing number one wideout. Uh, so I think this sets up from a schematic perspective um, and from like a talent perspective really well for Christian McCaffrey and somewhat Greg Olson, who we'll get to in a minute. But Christian McCaffrey, obviously, we're not going to get the 25 touches or whatever. But at 6,700, we're almost guaranteed five or six catches in this matchup with upside for a lot more. Uh, I think Christian McCaffrey has a turn in play. Is really interesting. And then as you go up, you get Mark Ingram, you get Alvin Kamara, you get LaShawn McCoy, who I think will probably go under own because so many people are going to be playing uh, the cheap running backs. So from McCaffrey and up, uh, does anybody jump out at you besides you obviously mentioned uh, Kenyon Drake already? Yeah, I, I guess I'm the wrong person to ask about. I don't want to jinx Christian McCaffrey. I think last week was the first time I played him on my main team all season and he had his uh, worst game of the year. So I'm a little scarred by that. Uh, absolutely. I mean, he's going to be involved. Like you said, everything you said about the matchup is right on point. Uh, no reason to dislike him this week if you've been on that train all year. I think that's a way to look at it. If if you've been playing McCaffrey this year, this is, you know, a good spot. Once again, there's no reason not to play him. If you've been off McCaffrey, I don't think that it necessarily spikes his workload any more than, um, than any other matchup. This team is giving him kind of those six, seven, eight targets regardless. So uh, if you've been fading McCaffrey, I don't think you'll regret it, but I think that he'll put up his his general score this week. Uh, yeah, LaShawn McCoy, Kamara. Um, Kamara has gotten more work the last couple weeks, uh, which I think is interesting, and his snaps really haven't risen that much. Uh, I believe he's played 69 snaps the last two weeks. Ingram has played 71. So that's still split down the middle. The upside is the same on each guy. I think that uh, – are we comfortable saying Kamara's floor is higher just because – you know, Ingram can catch passes, but it's not guaranteed. Um, so I think you're looking at the same ceiling on both guys, a higher floor on Kamara. And then LaShawn McCoy, um, he's had 21 or more touches in every Bills win. He's had under 20 touches in five of their seven losses. And it's, it's a thing of just they abandon the run too quickly when they get behind and they ride the run when they're ahead. So uh, I think that we'll see. This is a game that the Bills should win. Uh, the only, I think the only concern is uh, it's tough to go down and play in the humidity and the heat when you're a cold-weather team at this time of year. Uh, that hurt the Patriots a few weeks ago down in Miami. So that's the only real concern. But I like McCoy quite a bit, and I agree. I think he'll be overlooked, uh, which gives him a, a great path to really winning somebody a tournament this week. Uh, anybody else? I assume we're not interested in like the Charkandrick Wests of the world and like the Stephen Ridleys of the world and stuff like that. Uh, I'm not just because I think that there's much better value. Uh, I do think that if if you want to go to my Browns running backs, uh, I expect the Browns to have a good shot at the win this week. Uh, last time that they actually, the only time they actually had a lead in the game, Isaiah Crowell had 19 carries. Um, this is a top five run offense, you know, DVOA yards per carry. This is a really good run offense. Isaiah Crowell is a good player. Duke Johnson, obviously uh, one of the top point per touch players in the NFL. I think this sets up well as a Crowell week. I don't think I would go there in smaller field tourneys or single entry tourneys, but uh, something where you got to be, you know, tens of thousands of entries. I could see going to Crowell in, in a good matchup uh, on a team that's going to be starting Landry Jones and Steven Ridley and, uh, a bunch of scrubs out there that Crowell could get his carries. All right. At the wide receiver position, I want to start with the two guys I expect to easily be the most owned. That is Julio Jones and T.Y. Hilton. Um, T.Y. Hilton, obviously 5,900 in this amazing matchup against Houston. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about what he did to Houston last time. And Julio Jones, with all this like high-priced guys dropping out, high-priced guys unmotivated, we have Julio Jones extremely motivated. Uh, in a dream matchup against the Panthers team that we're, you know, been playing uh, wide receivers against for like two months and just crushing with it. Like they stop everything except for perimeter uh, wide receivers. So uh, Julio and T.Y. Hilton, I expect to be two of the highest owned players on the slate. How do you feel about that? Well, what ownership would Julio have to get to before you'd consider fading him in tourneys? Um... I think any time a wide receiver gets above 30, there's a, there's a reason to fade. Yeah. This is where we, we miss Hefe. We need that strategy element. Cause you yeah, and I are like, dude, this guy's. Bros. Yeah. yeah you know what? Forget, like, forget the game theory, bros, man. I'm sick of that. Yeah. We're like, this guy's the best play, right? Like play him. Um, Julio is the best play 
I don't think it's that close. Um, when you look at what Oakland's done to wide receivers, uh, Sean Smith, who matches up pretty well with Keenan Allen, will shadow him when he's on the outside, uh, which is you know only about 50% of the snaps. But Oakland did a really good job against Keenan Allen last time. Michael Thomas has his hamstring issue. So we get up into this price range, man. It's Julio. And sure, he's disappointed all year for expectations, but – this guy is still top 10 in most major wide receiver categories. Um, the floor is is pretty high. So I think if he disappoints, he's still getting you around 14, 15 points. And obviously he could put up, you know, 45, 50. He's the only wide receiver on this slate that can crack 35 points, uh, you know, reasonably. So I'm, I mean, I'm totally fine going with Julio Chalk. Uh, I think that the value I'll be taking at running back will be off the board enough that I'm really not that concerned about the fact that Julio is going to be that high on. So, uh, yeah, if we want to play a game theory bro role, we can say, you know, fade him for X reason. But Julio is the best play on the slate for sure. And your take on T.Y. Hilton, who I think will also be in like the 25 plus percent own range. Yeah, uh, T.Y. Hilton, I'm I'm fine with it. Uh, I have a question, though. Marvin Jones or T.Y. Hilton, who's a better play? Yeah, I mean, if we keep if we assume that the Lions are all out, uh, Marvin Jones is an awesome play for sure as well. Um, I think there's less competition for targets on uh, on the Colts, and we'll certainly get into Kenny Galladay uh, and Golden Tate as well. But yeah, I, I think that um, from a game theory bro perspective, you're going to get way less ownership on Marvin. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they're genuinely uh, like equitable plays to one another, you know, on paper, if you said same ownership on the two, I don't know that I would automatically pick T Y Hilton. And that's just because I don't think Brissett's a very good quarterback. And I know that the Texans are bad and they have improved quarterback play week to week to week. Um, you know, anybody who plays and plays above expectations, but look, Brissett, uh, he's just not – did he even throw a touchdown pass with the Patriots last year in that Josh McDaniel offense with those weapons? Uh, I think it was two full games and zero touchdown passes. Um, took a, like a 16 to nothing shutout against the Bills. Uh, sure, that was his rookie year, but this guy has 12 touchdown passes all season. He started all year. He's had T.Y. Hilton all year. Um, and I think that the thing – the key here is to remember, like – Brissett is not throwing to guys who are covered and T.Y. Hilton should be open. So there's every reason to expect a good game, but I just think that it is a lower floor than people will want to admit. Um, and I, you know, people don't think like this. And so look, if, if Hilton goes out and puts up 30 points and uh, Brissett puts up 29 points, come at me on Twitter, or whatever. Uh, tell me how wrong I was. I'm not saying these guys can't put up a good game. I'm just saying the floor is lower than people want to admit on these, you know, uh, Brissett's not that good of a, a quarterback. He's not an NFL starting quarterback. He is a, a good backup quarterback. So uh, I'm leaning Marvin Jones over T.O. Hilton. I like Hilton. He's definitely one of my top five or six favorite receivers on the week, but he's not like a lock for me this week. Um, I don't know. You, you have any thoughts on that? You think I'm way off on that? No. Um, even in the game where T.O. Hilton went off against the Texans, he only caught five balls. Um, it's not like he's the kind of guy who you know is going to get um, a lot of targets and a lot of um, he's seen like less than 10 targets a bunch this year. I just think that the matchups lately have been so tough. And when T.A.W. Hilton, like the conditions are right, uh, we often can predict his boom weeks, you know, like yeah. at home on the fast track against the Texans defense that gives up the most pass plays of 40 plus yards in the entire league. Like if he was going to have a boom week, if you can really project boom weeks, and I think that hopefully we can, uh, this would be one. But I, I totally get that T.A.W. Hilton is chalk uh, is somewhat scary, was somewhat scary when he was 4,900 that week too. Yeah, but he absolutely went ham, and that was glorious. Yeah, and wow. and, and I, I mean, I like him more than AJ Green. I like him more than Brandon Cooks. Um, Jarvis Landry is a tough one. I like him more than I mean, you think got all these guys in this price range who are sitting. I like him more than Jameson Crowder, Des Bryant. Um, so I like Hilton plenty, but uh, I think I have Marvin Jones a little bit above him, just because if you look through the game logs of what Marvin Jones has done to the Packers, how much they have used him against the Packers the last couple of years how much the lions throw the ball. We talked about this last week. They're one of the past heaviest teams in football. Um, I just think that there's plenty to like with Marvin Jones. 
Uh, let's stay with the Lions here because I am uh, perhaps irrationally excited about this spot for Kenny Galladay. Uh, was dominant in college, was dominant at the combine, was dominant throughout offseason program, was dominant in the preseason, uh, hasn't materialized for him at the regular season level to a huge degree yet. But with TJ Jones landing on IR prior to last week, Kenny Galladay ended up playing 95% of the snaps. Now he gets this matchup, which you've been talking about against the Packers which is awesome at home, like week 17, meaningless game. This is like the dream spot for the hashtag team preseason guys like Kenny Galladay. Uh, tell me I'm crazy that Kenny Galladay for 3,300 with a target projection somewhere in the six, seven, eight range uh, isn't a really strong play. So I was in Arkansas earlier today. You ever been, Adam? I have. I had a friend who I uh, Yeah, he did, a, he did a, a big job with like Walmart. He was down in- uh, Bentonville? Uh, Bentonville for like That's two where years. I was. <laughs> yeah, and I went down and I, I visited him. Yeah. Uh, so I was in Bentonville, Arkansas, and they haven't heard of the internet there. You know, right. so it's a struggle. And as soon as I crossed the border into Oklahoma, I was able to pull up internet. And I was like, man, I wonder what Adam's written this week. And I saw your write ups on uh, Galladay. And I hadn't really thought too much about it. I think it's really sharp. Um, I think we're getting into guesswork here, which is to a level that's probably unnecessary, but I think that the time to do it is when you can get these 30 point games. Um, there's no, like people do this thing where we get into guesswork to try to get this cheap guy who can get you 15 points, but might get you two. I don't think it all surprises if Galladay gets you five points, but um, this guy could legitimately get you 30. I think that there's a certain play that one or the other of us mentions and um, whoever doesn't mention it, we immediately shut it down. It's like, just when we don't even think about a guy like CJ Anderson last week. Um, and you've had several times this year where you have gotten off of play. Cause I, you said it and I was just like, no. And uh, I've had a couple of those. And that's kind of my reaction to Galladay is, is your reaction to CJ Anderson last week where it's just like, no, why would you do that? But it, it honestly, like when you dig into the numbers, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I can't see him being a staple. Like, all right. If you were putting a team in the 1500 tourney this week, would you roll Galladay or is that more like, wildcat and below or is that like 88 dollars and below or what type of play is that for you it, it would depend on like how strongly i feel about the rest of my roster and where i want to spend like if i thought it was important to get Lashawn mccoy and Kenyon drake or something like that then i might have to play galladay you know what i mean yeah yeah so, I, I mean i like it like i've been looking at guys like, like like there's not a lot of cheap wide receivers i like this week so i've been looking at guys like and we have we have value at running back but uh, you still can't just throw in all the all the top receivers. So I've been looking at guys like Keelan Cole at fifty seven hundred, um, with a uh, who's a good play, you know, but with a target projection of eight to ten. And I think that you could genuinely genuinely say Galladay for six to eight, uh, like you said, kind of preseason mode, evaluation mode. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. I like that play a lot. Uh, let's stay below five k for a second here. I think people are going to gravitate towards Josh Doxson and Devontae Parker a little bit as well. We already talked about the spot for Kirk Cousins. Uh, Josh Doxson has had an unreal difficult uh, stretch here, has faced some of the best cornerbacks in the league, and I'm not exaggerating over the last seven weeks. Uh, I still think Josh Doxson is perhaps a little bit raw, but but man, I mean, you get this spot against the Giants secondary now, and Josh Doxson is playing literally 100% of the snaps, and we know he has this sick talent um, that he showed while he was at TCU. Uh, 4,400 for Josh Doxson, does that intrigue you? Yeah, Doxon was one of the first guys who caught my eye. Uh, I was a little bummed to see him getting, uh, you know, kind of ownership traction. I think he's a good play. I think anytime we get into these, like you said, he is a, a pretty raw player. Uh, he's missed a lot of time. He broke his, what was it, his forearm that last game at TCU, and that set him behind. And then the Achilles issues, and he's been on and off the field this year. So I think we're, you know, assessing him basically like a rookie is the best way to look at him. Um, so I think anytime you get into these guys as chalk, a 4,400 raw guy as chalk in week 17, that's a little dangerous, but um, just on purely on paper, I think the Dachshund is a great play uh, under 5k, probably the best play under 5k, unless you want to put Galladay above him as an on paper play. Uh, I'm a little more iffy on Devonte Parker. I've been on him back-to-back -back weeks, kind of talked him up back-to-back -back weeks. Uh, I think that people were taking his drop, in targets severely out of context. Um, I do think that the targets will be there. I don't love the matchup against a Buffalo team. that's pretty good on the perimeter uh, and that needs to win this game. So Parker is, uh, and it was Jared last week, Jeremy Grant got 
six targets on only, I think it was 11 snaps. Um, week 17 is a sort of spot where you could see a guy like that. Maybe they put him out there 30, 40 snaps to see what he can do. Um, so I would be less likely to go to Parker, but um, I like the Doxon call a lot. I'm kind of still toying with this Will Fuller thing too, with DeAndre Hopkins out. Do you have any thoughts? I mean, my initial reaction is, look, it's TJ Yates, but God, the matchup is phenomenal. Do um, sure. you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, Will Fuller does not profile as like a guy we're just going to set up and throw a bunch of slants to and a bunch of comebacks to, you know, that's just like not the way that uh, he's going to succeed. I think he played off DeAndre Hopkins so, so, so well. So from a, from a fit perspective, but from like a, if you're just doing projections, like it's almost impossible not for Will Fuller not to come up with a really good projection uh, because like the targets have to go somewhere, you know what I mean? And like, the yeah, so good. So Will Fuller is going to project well. I, I, it's just like, uh, tough for me to pull the trigger. The only other guy in the sub 5K range that uh, I think is interesting is Kelvin Benjamin. I know he's playing through a torn meniscus, but I thought he's looked uh, reasonably good. And um, if you think Tyrod's going to play well, Kelvin will be uh, his red zone target. I think that's at least interesting on maybe more touchdown heavy sites uh, than DK. I also think people are going to play Randall Cobb, who has shown just like no chemistry with Brett Hundley whatsoever, but Jordy and Devonta Adams are both out. Uh, I assume you're out on Randall Cobb, though. Yeah, I would be actually likelier to take a shot on Geronimo Allison or Michael Clark just because who's going to play these guys. And um, we don't know a lot about Michael Clark, but we know that Geronimo Allison has upside when the targets are there. I don't expect anybody to do well. Devontae Adams is, as we saw today, the Packers are valuing him as one of the five best receivers in the league. I don't think he's there yet, but – He's a talented receiver, and he's the only guy who's been able to do well with Brett Hundley under center. So uh, I don't think I'll actually go there, but I'd be likelier to go to, you know, it's like taking Cobb is kind of like these people who draft Frank Gore in season long. Um, like have some imagination, go for some upside is the way I would look at that. Um, I want to get your take on Marquise Goodwin because I'm always interested in players who are coming off of really tough matchups and had somewhat predictable duds, so... Marquise Goodwin last week had a predictable dud against the Jaguars. Uh, now he gets <clears throat> now he gets a really good matchup uh, coming up this week, and we've seen the chemistry that he has with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like in those games outside of the Jaguars games, Garoppolo was absolutely locked on to Marquise Goodwin. His price has come up to sixty six hundred, which is a season high for him. It is more than I want to spend. For Marquise Goodwin, but I think you can give him a legit target projection in the seven, eight, nine range, uh, kind of as a floor. So he stood out to me in the six K range more than someone like Brandon Cooks. I think. Yeah, I wanted to pull us back up to Goodwin and Fitz before we moved on. Uh, I think that Goodwin's a really good play. All the reasons you said, the targets will be there. Uh, the matchup's good against a Rams team that we don't know who all they're going to rest. I mean, look. Only 46 guys can be active, so some starters are going to be playing. But uh, this is a team that's just preparing for the first round of the playoffs, uh, whereas the 49ers are trying to close out with a five-game win streak. I think that we'll see Goodwin get a lot of targets again. Uh, I think it's a good spot for him. And I think the fits uh, – I'm a little bummed that I didn't get on him last week just because, uh, you know, I try not to get too narrative-driven. But you talk about could have been his last game in Arizona. I wrote that up. Uh, in my game-by-game -game breakdown and just seemed like a spot where they would really try to get him involved. Again, could be his last career game against a Seattle team that's not that strong in the slot. I think that in tournaments it does make sense to expect 12 to 15 targets for Larry Fitzgerald, and it's not a bad idea to roster him in that format. Uh, Jarvis Landry certainly has a good matchup against the Buffalo defense, which kind of pushes their targets inside. Um, concern with the David Fales report, though, has me a little bit shaky on Jarvis Landry, does that make you uh, be off Jarvis Landry? Uh, not necessarily off, but it doesn't make him uh, as locked in. I mean, we've really played him for that enormous floor he has, and then the big red zone role gives him enough ceiling. Uh, I think I'll bump his floor down a little bit this week, so I I'll probably stay off him. Uh, one other guy that I think always bears mentioning um, is A.J. Green when he's in this low 6K range. Matchup obviously isn't great, but I think if you look at the splits with Jimmy Smith and without Jimmy Smith, uh, Baltimore has been very beatable. Also, A.J. Green has gone into Baltimore before, even with Jimmy Smith, and had some really big games. Uh, I don't particularly think that the Bengals are going to play well uh, in this spot, but, I mean, just on like a bet-on-talent type deal, do you have any interest in A.J. Green? 
I don't have any interest. I've seen a lot of people who like him and I'm fine with that. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to try to talk anybody off of one of the three or four best wide receivers in the NFL in any matchup. I mean, if, if you're saying, look, I think AJ green is going to get 10 targets against the Jags and I want to play him go for it. Like this dude is so good. that If his price is down, I'm totally fine with that. Uh, he's not a guy I'm going to be going for, but um, just because I don't, I try to avoid guys who could crater your roster. And I think a game against Baltimore just brings too much risk. And I think I can get that same upside somewhere else. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I would be totally fine with somebody else playing if that's your style of play. Any other plays you want to mention at the wide receiver position? No, I think we hit on like literally everything. <laughs> well, we didn't mention Roger Lewis, who uh, we start. Oh God, I don't want to uh, play him. But we started late, and we're so we're like, who cares what time we end? We're gonna just cover every player. Um. All right, let's move to the tight end position, where I, I don't like a lot this week at tight end. I, I hope you do. Um, man. It's like every week, it's just like so annoying finding a tight end. Um, I should have just played Gates last week. It was just way, way, way too stubborn. So you didn't you didn't play Gates? No, I played Delaney like a total moron. Uh, I yeah. played, uh, I played, I did three teams, three main teams. And I had Ebron, uh, who you, you sharted on yeah. during the show. And, I uh, I no interest in Ebron, yep. Ebron, and I played Delaney and I played Gronk. So, yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, I mean, look, dude, it, this team is... Wouldn't you say Hunter Henry is a top three pass catching tight end? Like yes. Gronk, Kelsey, Henry. This team hadn't given him more than five targets in two months. Why are we expecting Antonio Gates to get eight targets? You know, whatever it happened. Um, look, I like Gates this week because, again, last game of career. What do you think? And do you realize the Raiders have now given up more yards and more catches to the tight end than any team? More than the Browns, more than the Giants. Uh, I mean, what is Philip Rivers going to do? He's in love with Antonio Gates. He's going to like, these guys are like bunk buddies or something. They're, they, you know, this is, he's his house guest or whatever. I don't know what this is. From a usage perspective, like Gates' role is ridiculous. He plays way more than Eric Ebron. Gates ran a route on 90% of Philip Rivers' dropbacks last week. Like he's smashing guys in snaps played, uh, routes run targets so yeah I've seen a lot of people poo poo Gates be like well I'm not going to chase it and it, it would be really sick for me to chase it after like I wasn't on it whatsoever last week and I was so tilted about it uh it would be really sick for me to chase it but he's 4200 now uh, he's in that Ebron range he's in that Charles Clay range he's in that Jack Doyle range I think maybe uh my favorite play in this 4k range is Jack Doyle um he's the only one I can be like hey listen dude's gonna get eight to ten targets um he's has a reasonable matchup it's like I don't love it but at tight end that's kind of like the name of the game I don't love it but maybe he's okay so uh tell me tell me not to chase Antonio Gates and Doyle's okay I can't do that uh <laughs> I hate it too uh I but look and I'm like I'm so glad to hear you say that you weren't on Gates last week so I'm sitting there like I mean and again Ebron was my favorite cheap guy I paid 1200 more got like the same score but I'm sitting there like Dude, like, how did I miss everybody? 50% owned in, in double ups. Dude puts up 20 points at 2,500. And it's a guy, it's a team that, like, Hunter Henry is a phenomenal player and they're not throwing in the ball. And that was so tilting last week. Um, no, I, I really do think that we see seven, eight, nine targets again. Like, this isn't so. All right, Adam, I hate to bring up bad memories, but Kobe in his last game. Uh, this isn't quite that, right? Because this isn't basketball. One player can't just hog the ball. The Chargers still have a shot at the playoffs. Mm -hmm. But, uh, like, is it going to surprise you if Gates gets 10 targets? It's not going to surprise me. Like, it's just absurd. But, uh, but no, I, I'm with you. I think the Doyle is a phenomenal play as well. I think the Doyle is going to get uh, 7, 8, or not phenomenal, ph phenomenal for the tight end position for what we have to work with. Um, this is the best we have at the low end. It's, it's Gates. It's Clay. It's um, – it's Doyle. And on Clay, I'll point out, you know, you, you brought up Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, the Dolphins are, are top three in the NFL in preventing catches to wide receivers. And they don't have a lot of talent on the outside, but their entire scheme pushes the ball away from um, wide receivers toward tight ends. And so I think that we're just going to see a lot of targets for Clay. It was seven, eight, nine targets for Clay, seven, eight, nine for Doyle, seven, eight, nine for Gates. So I'm fine with any of those guys. I would love to make it up to Gronk. We talked about 
uh, you know, Brady being in a good spot, but Brandon Cooks having, I think, seven red zone targets all year. I mean, they, they don't throw to Cooks in the red zone. He only gets six, seven, eight targets a game. No Burkhead. Um, you've got Kenny Britt and Philip Dorsett on the field. So uh, I think that Gronk is the place to go. Obviously, you've got to make it up to him. If you're paying down, for me, it's these guys. And, and one other name I'll throw in there is Rhett Ellison, who if I'm going to a Giants pass catcher, Rhett Ellison is a blocking tight end. But seven targets last week, he caught six for, or four for 60 yards. Uh, I do think that he will see in that range again at, I believe, 2,700. So if you're looking at this, okay, who's going to get seven, eight, nine targets? I think you throw Ellison in there as well. Um, glossed over Eric Ebron matchup isn't great against the Packers, but Ebron's role has certainly been somewhat steady over the last three or four weeks. Any interest in going back to Ebron at 4,500? Yeah, uh, it's the matchup is what's pulling me off. him. Adam, you got to adjust your hat because you're like pulling up your eyebrow like this, and it makes it look like you're um, not believing anything I say. So <laughs> you're psyching me out. Um, the uh, the Ebron, yeah, sorry. Um, you got me all flustered now with your, like, it's like a detective thing. Just raising your <laughs> eyebrow at me. Uh, Ebron is not in, in on my list of these, like, five tight ends that I'm kind of looking at. It's the five that we've mentioned. Um, but Ebron would probably be the sixth, sixth guy on the list, or maybe he and Vernon Davis. Um, it felt nasty to go to Ebron last week with thousands of dollars behind the play. I was willing to do it because of the matchup and his role. Uh, like you said, the Packers uh, are better against tight ends than most people give them credit for. So I am fine not being on that. And then uh, I'll let you talk me on to Greg Olson, and I'll add him to my list as well. Yeah, as I mentioned, I think Devin Funches is overmatched as a top target. I think behind Devin Funches, they have guys like Russell Shepard and Keelan Clay, and I don't even know who they have behind. So Brent, I think Brent, Brent Burson or whatever. Brent Burson, yeah. Who's, he cut his hair and now he's not good anymore. Um, yeah, so I think that the way that the Falcons play defense is kind of pushing inside, and I understand that maybe the numbers don't bear that out as well, but I think when you have a featured tight end like Greg Olson is certainly capable of being, um, him and McCaffrey should be the featured players for Cam. And the problem with, with Olsen is he's only like 1,400 cheaper than – Gronk right so like I would love to find that 1400 uh to get to Gronk but also we'll also have uh, a fraction of the ownership that Gronk will have yeah I mean one way to find that 1400 is we're about to get to defense but play the 49ers at 2100 against Sean Mannion and uh, and I know Mannion's good hashtag preseason 6.4 yards per pass attempt which is like would be the worst in the NFL whatever but um but yeah, I mean, I think that we can find the salary to get to Gronk. Uh, I have Olsen down for six to seven targets. Cam has been throwing about 25 to 28 times a game. I think we see six to seven go to Funches, six to seven go to Olsen, six to seven go to McCaffrey, and then the, the rest kind of gets spread out. But um, but yeah, I mean, I'm fine with Olsen, but it, just his price is a little aggressive yeah. for what I want to pay. Totally agree. All right, let's get to defense. You mentioned the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, obviously, pricing came out before the Rams announced that they would be playing Sean Mannion and Malcolm Brown and Josh Reynolds. Um, they're 2,100. They've been playing way better ball lately. Um, Ruben Foster is a baller. Um, it's hard not to take that savings at 2,100, um, specifically in cash games, for sure. I think there's huge merit to paying up in tournaments, but for cash, I think 49ers make a lot of sense. Yeah, agreed. Um, are you think they're going to get uh, ownership traction this week, or you think that's going to be a team that people just kind of look at all Rams right. and – all right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm totally good with that. I think those savings are just fantastic. Like you said, it's a much better defense than people are giving them credit for. This is going to be a good team, man, especially you talk about Pierre Garçon gets healthy next year. They're going to bring in some good free agents with Shanahan and Garoppolo – People are going to want to go there. I mean, this is this team has a good foundation. I'm excited about it. I think that we'll see their defense play well this week. I think we'll see them close out with another win. So 49ers are definitely my favorite defense. And then we have these kind of weird situations where, like, all right, the Steelers against the Browns would be fantastic, but who's going to be playing on the Steelers? Um, and, uh, you know, the Ravens against the Bengals. Bengals are kind of laid down, but, um, you know, Ravens – Without Jimmy Smith, it's just like a little less to be excited about. There's more opportunities for the scoring scoring to be there for the Bengals. So, um, like, I haven't fallen in love with anything to pay up for. What about you? 
Yeah, no, I think the Ravens are maybe better than you give it credit for. No left tackle uh, for Bengals. Obviously, their offensive line is a total disaster going on the road. It's going to be absolutely freezing um, in Baltimore on Sunday. Um, so I think that could lead to maybe uh, some more errors than usual from any Dalton. Those guys, I think the Vikings, I know that the Bears uh, want to run the ball all the time, but uh, Mitch Trubisky against this highly motivated Vikings defense, I think is interesting. I think the Chargers, uh, whenever they get a good matchup at home, they seem to perform really well. Best pass rush. Awesome corners is always going to be a good recipe for defense against uh, Derek Carr. And and I think even though New England, um, you know, does not rush the passer at an elite level, anytime you have Bryce Petty back there, and they're even talking about giving Christian Hackenberg snaps, I think they're in play. Uh, Seattle Good boy, against- Christian Hackenberg. Oh, Penn disaster. State. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Seattle against uh, Drew Stanton, uh, the Redskins against Eli Manning. Um, if you think Mahomes isn't the real deal, you could say Denver, who's playing their starting defense against a bunch of backups for the Chiefs. So I think there's a lot of options to go through uh, at defense as you move up. And if you can find one uh, that hits in, in tournaments, you'll be way ahead. Yeah, I, I like the Patriots a lot. Uh, as always, defense is kind of the last thing. I get to, and you know, obviously no internet in Arkansas and Oklahoma. So I've had to get Morse code, um, you know, sent to me from Silva in Chicago, letting me know who's playing who. Uh, So I'm a little bit behind on defense at this point, but, um, but no, yeah, I I like some of these more expensive defenses. Nothing that's making me just like gravitate toward them above the savings. When you think about what you can do with those savings, um, the difference between a Greg Olson and a Rob Gronkowski, I think can make a a huge difference. So I think that if we're just talking about the best play, it's got to be the 49ers. But I think that all those teams you mentioned, uh, and I would actually, I I do think that Patrick Mahomes is the real deal. I just think that with the limited weaponry, um, that's not a place I want to go on offense. I do. I like the chiefs as well. We're going to see Paxton Lynch under center for the Broncos. I think that's a good one to look to as well. So we do have a lot of mistake prone quarterbacks. Um, It should be a week realistically where we see a fairly high scoring defense from a lot of different teams uh, just because of how many backups are out there, how many poor quarterbacks are out there. You mentioned the weather, which, um, you know, you don't know how much cold is going to affect an individual player, but you do know that there will be spots where it affects guys, especially these idiots who refuse to wear sleeves for their games (laughs) in 10 degree weather. So um, yeah, definitely, definitely a lot to like a defense uh, which makes it tough because there's not like a standout team in this higher end. But uh, I think we can definitely get a high score from defense this week. All right. For the last time this season, we are going to move to the stacks. Everybody fast forwarded to this portion of the show. They want to know what stacks to play and print the money. Uh, we're going to give one contrarian stack and one conventional stack. Uh, JM, why don't you start with the, one of those? Uh, I'm going to go with my boys, Matthew Stafford and Marvin Jones. And at this point, I'll throw Kenny Galladay in there too and just load up. Uh, Jamal Williams, bring it back on the other side with Jamal Williams, uh, who is, if you know, they fall behind, he's going to catch passes. He's going to be on the field basically every snap. I mean, Mays is, is going to get, you know, just work spelling um, Williams. That's it. So whether the Packers are behind or ahead, they should be behind, they should be passing. Uh, a lot of work to go around in that game indoors when you have all this cold weather in other spots. So that's where I'll go. I don't know if that's contrarian or chalky, but I'll call that fairly conventional. Um, yeah, I, I think that Stafford is going to end up being like, you know, one of the more popular quarterbacks, but I don't think Marvin Jones is going to jump off the page of people. So, um, yeah, I think that'll be a little bit of a mix of both. Uh, for my uh, conventional, I will go with, uh, Kirk Cousins paired with Jamison Crowder and uh, Josh Doxson. You could substitute Crowder for Vernon Davis. It's like such a leap of faith with Vernon Davis who we didn't actually touch on, but hasn't caught more than two balls in a game in like literally seven weeks. Um, obviously, the matchup is amazing. He's still playing a ton. Uh, so I don't hate going to Vernon Davis, but certainly either Doxson and Crowder or Doxson and Vernon Davis. I already talked about how well Kirk Cousins has been playing. This Giants team is just a total – uh, absolute train wreck. And I think the Redskins go in there and, and play well against this dead Giants team. Uh, I'm going to go with my boy, Jimmy Garoppolo, who should be the starting quarterback of the Patriots for the future. They should have kicked Tom Brady to the curb after this season. I fully believe that. 
Uh, and say Garoppolo will go make it rain in San Francisco for the next 15 years. Uh, I will go Garoppolo to Marquise Goodwin as my uh, contrarian stack. I, I like that one a lot. I think that can put up a big score this week. Yeah, that's a really good one. That's actually like a good play. I'm going to give you a... Uh... <laughs> that's what I try to do. That's what I'm here for. Now let's let's <laughs> let's get the uh, Game Theory Bros play. What do we have? Well, this won't even be a Game Theory Bros. This is just a bad play. But I'll go with Mahomes to Demarcus Robinson for the, uh, for the hashtag... Uh, for the hashtag team preseason play. Um, <laughs> dude, if you watch Mahomes in preseason, you would have been like, this dude is the savior. Uh, he was so awesome, and Demarcus Robinson was his go-to guy. Uh, played Demarcus Robinson in, I think it was week four of preseason, and it was just uh, like he caught a long touchdown. It was just like total pants-off sex. So uh, <laughs> week 17 is trying to all about relive those memories of week four preseason. So if you want to stay true to the brand, that's the stack. <laughs> um, there you go. That's it. That, that, right. was, that was good transition there. It's a great way. It's a great way to end the season. Uh, <laughs> Sharpest show out there. This is how we close things out. Uh, I really appreciate everybody listening, everybody who gave us feedback on Twitter all year, um, everybody who laughed at the hippie jokes. If you have more hippie jokes, uh, feel free to send them. Uh, I find them very funny. Uh, Submit them via snail mail. Yeah. <laughs> and JM will get it eventually. <laughs> um yeah exactly uh okay that's gonna do it for this week 17 show serious thanks to jm for doing this show every week with me thanks to all you guys for watching we will be back hopefully next season 2018 for jm for jerry i am adam good luck on the last regular season slate of the season